welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. If not, you're in a good place to get that way, right? Get, get happy. Praise God. Uh, thank you for everybody that sowed into the ministry. Uh, our partners and those that have given to us have sent us to you and covered all those expenses before we got, got here. And so uh, uh, what you sow into us will help send us somewhere else to, to folks at no charge to them. So. It's And uh, I agree with you, like the pastor was talking about, and I speak over you, increase in Jesus' name. I'm believing with you for a harvest. So if you decide you don't want the harvest, you need to let us know, because I'm going to be believing for it. And it will come on you. We're serious about these things. <laughs> if you would open your, your Bibles, your Scripture, to um, Romans, the 12th chapter... Uh, tonight and uh, again like Pastor John said um, this is the third message in what we're talking about tonight and there are two previous ones that built to this and so particularly if this ministers to you tonight uh, let me encourage you get those other messages those previous two and because that's this is a third of of this and you know always uh, uh, be make a note of something that really ministers to you and feed on it again. When there's something that really does something for you, then don't let don't just go, well, praise God, that was wonderful, you know, I hope that happens again. Now get that message and listen to that one again. And listen to it again. And again, because it wasn't just the, the man or woman that ministered it to you that did something for you. The Spirit of God did something through that that, that specifically ministered to you. And the way his things work, are, are, they are seed, the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. And so when, he, when you receive it with joy, that's not the end of it, that's the beginning of something. You want to water that and it'll keep growing until it produces uh, amazing changes in your life over a period of days, months, and years. So again, when something really ministers to you, a message really ministers to you, listen to that one again and again. It won't hurt you to listen to it 20 times. That's right. Right? Listen, and, and I'm not saying in the same day or week, but over a period of time, you know, uh, because uh, it, it's food. You know, the Lord said, a man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Well, you know, you can only get so excited about the, uh, uh, the casserole you ate 10 years ago. <laughs> You can, you got a vague memory, man, it was good. It was really good. Yeah, but you can eat it again, right? And the same thing that really did something for you then, it'll do it for you again, right? How many have eaten the same thing more than once? Huh? 
Well, you know, uh, uh, it's foolish not to eat the same thing spiritually because it'd be like going to the cafeteria with a tray and going, potatoes, had those back in 69, no? <laughs> right? Chicken, no, I had that in 72. No. Well, you're going to starve, <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, spiritual things are just like natural things in that regard. You eat the same thing over and over again. Romans 12, are you, are you finding that? Romans 12, verse 9. Let's release faith again. Um, no man or woman can do or say or minister everything that needs to be done in a setting like this. For one thing, uh, I wouldn't know, nobody would know everything going on with everybody in their life. There's no way you can know. Only the Holy Spirit can do it. But He can do it. So let's agree together for that. Father, in Jesus' name, all of us agree together as touching this, asking for the utterance, the anointing, the grace, only you, what only you can do, uh, ministering answers and quickening and healing and deliverance and restoration, uh, exactly what you know we need right now. All of us ask for it together, and we know it's your will. We believe we receive it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Said out loud, I'm hearing from him. I'm receiving from him answers, help for right now. In Romans 12 and uh, 9, it says, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. So we're not supposed to be uh, nonchalant about evil and good. We're supposed to be passionate against evil and for good. Yeah. Right? And verse 14, he says, bless them that persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. Weep with them that weep. Verse 17, recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible as much as lies in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it's written, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. Therefore, if your enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. So that's doing good for somebody who has done bad to you. For in so doing, you'll heap coals of fire on his head. That's talking about conviction. The last thing somebody that hates you wants is to need help from you. And verse 21, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Said out loud, don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. The contemporary English version says it like this. It says, don't let evil defeat you. Defeat evil with good. Defeat evil with good. You don't 
uh, do to them what they did to you. And you must uh, re relinquish the thought and idea and plan of getting back mm -hmm. or paying them back. Now, um, most Christians know these things. They've heard them. Even if they're hearing it for the first time, your heart goes, oh yeah, that's, that's the right thing to do. But that's a far cry from knowing it and doing it. Because... When somebody hurts you and somebody does bad things against you, somebody, you know, decides you're their enemy and sets out to take you down and destroy you, you will be tempted to respond in like kind. Hmm? And uh, if you do, it's a giant mistake because uh, just like Pastor was talking about with the offering, this sowing and reaping works with everything. Not just money and things. It works. And one of the big reasons why the Lord tells us don't repay evil uh, with evil is because he doesn't want us reaping evil. That's right. He wants us reaping good. In uh, Luke, the sixth chapter, we looked at this uh, last night. Look at it again, if you would. They'll put it on the screen. Luke, Luke 6.27. Luke 6.27, Jesus said this. He said, I say to you which hear, love your enemies. Do good to them which hate you. Really? Is he serious about this? I think so. Y'all going to help me preach this? Or, or? Huh? Bless them that curse you. Pray for them which despitefully use you. Is that doing good to somebody who did evil to you? And that is how you overcome the evil. That's how you overcome it. Not by doing the same thing they did to you, but by doing something good to them and for them. And it has nothing to do with how you feel about them. You're not doing it because you have warm and fuzzy feelings towards them. <laughs> you're doing it because the Lord told you to do it. And you're doing it because that's how you actually overcome the evil. You're an overcomer. God's made you to be an overcomer. Somebody say, I'm an overcomer. Well, how do you overcome evil? Good. With good. With good. They curse you, you bless them. They do bad to you, you do good to them. They despise, they despise you and mistreat you and you pray for them. Not praying, God get them. God take them out. <laughs> no, that's not the prayer he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. In 1 Peter, turn there, 1 Peter 3 and 8. 1 Peter 3 and 8. And this is not found in just one or two places in the Bible. There are many places where you'll see these truths coming up. 1 Peter 3, 8. Finally, be all of one mind having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be full of pity and courteous, 
not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. Now, evil, we looked that word up, it just means bad, it means harmful, it means hurtful, destructive. But what's a railing? Well, a railing is a, a chewing out. Huh? Letting somebody have it. Giving somebody a piece of your mind. Like you could afford to. <laughs> huh? <laughs> I know mean, most everybody needs every piece they got. And then some. <laughs> Telling people where to get off. Huh? Letting folks have it. That's not okay. Why? Because you're sowing bad seed. Right? And if they hurt you and you turn around and hurt them, how are you doing any better than they are? You're so mad and upset with them for doing what they did to you, but you're doing the same thing. So you're being a hypocrite to even be upset with them because you're doing the same thing. Can we do better? Are we supposed to do better? We represent the Lord. And we don't want to reap evil. Don't render evil for evil or railing for railing. But contrarywise, blessing. Knowing that you are thereunto called, uh, called what? That you should inherit a blessing. Do you want blessing? Yes. Then you got to sow blessing. Amen. Right? You want people to bless you? Then you got to be a blesser. Yes. Right? And they don't have to be nice people for you to bless them. Amen. They don't have to deserve it. I said they don't have to deserve it for you to bless them. You know, uh, uh, people who work in the service industry and, for, and tips are a part of their pay. Uh, even if they give you terrible service, you still want to leave them a tip. Yeah. Yes. Did I lose somebody? Nope. Call it an offering. Amen. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? For numerous reasons. Why? Because it's part of their pay and you, it's part of your witness. That's right. Hmm? And you want, you're a giver. Is that right? Yes. And you want that to just be part of the way you live and operate is that you tip when people don't expect a tip and you tip bigger than a lot of times people get a tip. Right? And if that's a burden to you, then maybe you're going to a more expensive place than you should be going. Huh? If you don't have anything left for a tip in paying the bill, then you're acting like you're at a place where you're not at yet. Is that okay or not? Just look straight ahead. I'm serious though. Right? And... Um, uh, a lot of times people are, uh, you know, they, they're not making anything extra uh, doing what they're doing. And uh, this is an opportunity for uh, people to be uh, refreshed. And um, I know we were to drive through a while back, my wife and I. 
And um, uh, when we pulled up, we were saying some things about the Lord and what have you. And, and the person looked in and they said, y'all are the first people that I've seen all day that are smiling and act like you're happy. <laughs> and we said, well, we are. How many think that should be believers? Right? That should be believers. And so then when uh, they handed us their order, we said, uh, can you take a tip? And they said, what? And we handed them some money. They go, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and they said, that made my day. It's amazing what not too much money can do for somebody. Yeah. Right? In those situations. And so that's part of the reason why you want to believe, like Brother John was saying, for extra. You want to have extra on you at all times so that you can give, not just in the church offering, but you're just a giver every day of the week. Right? And um, you just, you're ready to pay for things when other people are not. You're ready to take care of things. You're ready to give. Somebody say, I'm a giver. I'm a giver. And the Bible said the generous soul will be made uh, fat. And that has to do with a fat pocketbook and fat accounts. And, right? Yes. The generous soul. Are you a generous soul? Yes. Or a stingy soul? <laughs> Somebody say, I'm a giver. I'm, I'm a giver. And because of that, you give to people that uh, they don't deserve it. And even people that have not done nice things for you, you'll still, uh, the Spirit of God will prompt you and you'll give to them. Yes. And not without expecting anything in return. Keep reading. It says uh, that you should inherit a blessing. Verse 10, for he that will love life and see good days... Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Again, abhor the evil, love and cling to the good. And he, he talks about in verse 13, who is he that will harm you if you're followers of those that are good? First Thessalonians, I'm just giving you some extra scripture tonight. On the First Thessalonians 5.15 says, See that none render evil for evil to any man. Yes. Now this is from, the Bible said in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. This is what, four now? From different places. But ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Down in the 22nd verse, 21st verse, in the Amplified, it says, Test and prove all things until you can recognize what is good and hold fast. Abstain from evil uh, in whatever form or whatever kind it may be. I think that's really a better translation than the appearance of evil. Abstain from the appearance of evil. That kind of people have gone off on a different idea with that. But this is to me very accurate. Abstain from evil in whatever form or whatever kind it may be. That's in line with all these other verses about abhorring it, eschewing it. Uh, you know, we anything that's harmful or hurtful or destructive, we, we despise it. But we love what's good. Now, I wanted to get into some specific Bible example, one in particular, about how you do this. How you actually overcome evil with good. 
it's not something most people are doing because most folks are flesh dominated instead of uh, faith dominated and self selfish self-focused instead of love dominated the scripture said uh, uh, again brother john referred to it just a few minutes ago about paul talking about timothy he said i, I don't have anybody like-minded like him he said for all seek their own that's the most common thing you'll find is that people are looking out for their own interests. Mm -hmm. And they won't even call themselves doing that. It just comes natural to the flesh. Mm -hmm. And if you're flesh dominated, you've got no problem of other people doing without as long as you get what you want. You got no problem with it costing somebody else as long as I can get what I want or think I need. That is ungodly. Uh, the Bible talks about the law of Christ is bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And the law of Christ is willing to do without or sacrifice so that somebody else can have something. Amen. That's what he did for us. Yes. And that is what he has called us to do that we may inherit a blessing. Are y'all okay so far? Laying some groundwork here. Laying some foundation. Um, James 3, would you go there please? James 3. We are to abhor evil. We are to love and cleave, cling to, cleave to the good. And James mentions a specific evil. We got into it some part of it this morning, but I want to get into the other part uh, this evening. Uh, James 3 and 14. It says, if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and don't lie against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. There is a scheming, devilish wisdom. It's not of God, but it is a scheming, uh, distorted wisdom of how to get what I want from other people, how to get over other people, how to get ahead of other people, that kind of thing. How to win at whatever cost. And you don't want to yield to that or, or, or yield to that kind of thinking. It's devilish, he said. Did you hear that word? It's devilish. Verse 16, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. I'm talking about some practical application tonight of identifying evil. How are we going to overcome evil? Come on, help me out. With good. Well, here are two big things that should be obvious evil to us. What are they? Envying and strife. 
envying. We talked about strife some this morning. I won't go over it. We don't have time. But um, it's something that you want to avoid and make every effort to stay out of. But this other one I want to talk about this evening, envy. Envy is absolutely evil. It's devilish. It's the nature of the devil. You want to be aware of it, both for yourself not to yield to it, and you want to be aware of the threat that it is. Envious people will do things you don't think they will do. They will go further in devious stuff than what you would think. You don't want to be envious, and you don't want to be naive about what envious people will do. And we have specific examples of it in the Scripture. And one of the clearest and most detailed examples in my mind right now is what happened between Saul, King Saul, and David. And you have an example in what the Lord enabled David to do that he actually did what we're talking about. He overcame evil with good. And so as we, I want us to go back to some of these scriptures and, and let them refresh us and let them come into us because how many understand God's word is not just information. Hmm? The things we're talking about, good is in God's word. Power is in, there's no word of God void of power. And so uh, it's a great mistake to neglect your Old Testament. Because it is the Word of God. And it contains spiritual things. Uh, I'm looking back now. uh, My grandmother is a great influence in my life. A godly woman. And I used to go stay with her sometimes as a little boy. And she would uh, give me books to read about uh, men and women of God. And and, and strong influence in my life. And uh, encouraged me to read the Bible. And I started reading the Bible, I forget, uh, at a young age I set out to read through it. And looking back now... When it was just me sitting in the chair reading about the things that happened with Moses and and Aaron and and Elijah and Elisha and David and, and all these people, things got in me that began to shape my character. I can see it now, looking back, you know, decades later, but but some things that are in me that have shaped the way I think, the way I see things, the way I talk, the way I respond, where did it come from? Looking back, I can see I, I, I got things about honor from David and his mighty men. Come on, can you can you see what I'm talking about? I, I got things about faith from Moses and Elijah and, and, and all these others. Don't neglect your Bible, child of God. And don't breeze through it. It's not about speed reading and saying, I read X amount of chapters. Yeah, but what'd you get out of it? Huh? You, you want to sit down and say, Lord, 
reveal yourself to me through these anointed words. And you want to turn, you don't want to be interrupted every few seconds with a text. That's right. You won't get a fraction of what you should get out of it. That's right. Amen. We need to make some changes. That's right. A lot of people do where their devices are concerned. Yes. They're being led by their devices instead of the Holy Spirit. They're being led by vibration and dings and notices. Really, I'm telling you. And they're being interrupted and distracted day and night. And, and if, you, if that's mostly what you're aware of, you're not aware of the leadings of the Lord inside. You're too preoccupied with all this other. It's a trick of the enemy. These things can be valuable devices. They can be good to use. But if you think you have to check it when it dings or buzzes, then you're, you're enslaved to it. And you don't want to be brought under the power of anything, Paul said. That's good. Nothing. And so you want to, there, there should be times when everything is off. Everything is off. Just try saying it out loud. Everything. Everything. Do you know what everything means? Everything is off. Well, well, people may freak out if they can't get a hold of me. Well, they need to get over it. There was a time, I remember, when we would go all day and not be on the phone. Texting didn't exist. Imagine that. And somehow we made it. Well, how did people know what you were doing? They assumed we were okay. <laughs> they assumed no news was good news. <laughs> you see people just freak out if they text and they don't get a response. Just, just immediately they're like, what's wrong? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? You need to relax, dear. You need to, you need to find some peace. And there need to be times when you give God your full attention. And you're not going to get what you should out of the Word unless you give the Word your full focus and your full attention. And then when you do that, the seed, the incorruptible seeds of His holy thoughts and His holy things and His character and His will and His ways and all of that will get inside you. And it'll, it'll put roots down in you and it'll start to grow in you until it, it changes how you think. It changes who you are. Do you believe it? Yes. Uh, he warned us about envy and strife. He said where these things are, there's confusion. And every evil, well that's the thing we've been talking about that we want to uh, stay away from, that we, we abhor it, we, we're staying away from that. Well, here's two big ones, envy and strife. Go back with me if you would to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel and uh, the 18th chapter and you'll really see where this 
started going wrong in Saul's life concerning David. Now I'll give a little background. I know some people are familiar, some are not. But it's all, it's, it's been here all along, if you care to read it, care to feed on it. It's, it's outstanding. David, as a young man, came to know God out keeping his father's sheep, out in the wild, you know, just as a boy, looking after the flocks. And they would camp out and, you know, they'd take them to certain pastures in a certain time of the year and then other times take them to other pastures. Well, uh, you led the flock and you fed the flock and you watered the flock and you protected the flock because there are a lot of predators around, especially a whole lot more then even than today. I mean, there were wolves, there were bear, there were lions, there, there were stuff out there looking for a meal. And uh, he learned as a boy how to play an instrument and how to sing. And he learned how to handle uh, a slingshot. Now, a slingshot wasn't just for recreation. Uh, it was a weapon that they developed skill in. And also with the bow and also with uh, spears and these kind of things. There were no firearms. This is what you protected yourself with. And so you got a lot of time out there with the flock. So what do you do all day long? Well, you can become really good shot with a sling. Huh? And you can learn all the chords on your instrument. And you can develop vocally. And, and so that's where he began to sing to the Lord. And he enjoyed it. And when he would do it, he would sense the presence of the Lord. And he came to love the Lord. And um, you know the story how that on one occasion when his brothers were off fighting the enemy, that his father sent him to check on them and sent some foodstuffs with him. And so when he arrived to bring this uh, care packages to his brothers, because he's too young to be in the military yet. He's, he's just a, a boy. And uh, there was this giant out there walking around, boasting and cussing everybody out and blaspheming God and challenging everybody. Goliath, you remember, anybody remember him? And he was a giant. He was a, a man killer from his, his youth. And I mean, everybody was scared of him. Nobody would accept his challenge. This went on for days and weeks and on and on. And every afternoon, he comes out and goes, you know, he calls their mothers bad names. He says, is there not even one man among you? Nobody will fight me and nobody would volunteer. And when David heard it, he said, what is this? Who is this? No covenant, nobody. Out here blaspheming God. And, and upset his brothers, made them bad. Well, mad. Well, I won't go through all of it, but you know, he volunteered to, to fight this guy. It was preposterous. He's a boy. And this guy is armed to the nth degree, and he's this mammoth of a man. And he's got all these years experience killing. 
And this boy is going to take him on with a slingshot? Have you read the story? Yes. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. It's one of the greatest faith stories you've ever heard. And so when David actually came out to, to fight him, he was insulted. He said, you send me a boy with a stick? He said, I'm going to feed your body to the birds, boy. And David said, you come to me with a sword and a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And I'm going to take your head off today. Big talk. But he did it. You see faith in that he believed it. He said it, and exactly what he said came to pass. Well, this was an astounding day. When this happened, I mean, the, he, David actually said, not just you, but all your buddies too. We're taking you all. And when he killed Goliath, the whole Israeli army rushed, and they beat everybody. They, they won the battle hands down that day. Well, David is an excuse me, a national hero overnight. I mean, that they didn't have the internet, but uh, they had tell a friend, and, and it went it went viral before there was viral. And everybody knew, and Saul had David come and move in at their place. And he enjoyed hearing David play and sing. And David, he, that wasn't a one-time thing. His courage was so inspiring that men wanted to follow him, even though he's just a young guy. And so Saul appointed him as an officer in the military, and he led campaigns and won and won and won and won. God's hand was on him. Yes. Can you see this? Yes. And in the um, 18th chapter, y'all got time for me to yes. provide a little background. Yes. I know a lot of you know it, but do you get tired of hearing it? I, I never get tired. There's a reason why these are handpicked by the Holy Spirit. Because like I was saying earlier, listening to it, believing it, something gets in you. That same spirit of faith starts getting in you. And that same, and one of the things we want to get a hold of is that the Lord said concerning David, he is a man after my own heart that will do all my will. Now, do you want to be that kind of person that God sees you that way and thinks about you that way? Well, what made him that way? He, he loved God. He loved good. He hated evil. And he, one of the things that he began to understand about God was the honor of God. And the Lord said, those that honor me, I will honor. He got a hold of some of those things, so much so that a lot of other people got it from him. He influenced a whole generation. He's still influencing people tonight. Right? And uh, in 1 Samuel 18, after several successful campaigns, David's name is a household name 
throughout Israel. I mean, parents tell the story of David and Goliath, although it was only a year old, to their children. And little Israeli children say, tell me again, Daddy, tell me again, Daddy, about David and the big guy. <laughs> and so when David comes back in from a campaign, the women came out with instruments and praise. In verse 7, they begin to sing to one another, and they said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. <laughs> And the king heard it. And it made him mad. Did, what were you talking about from James? How did we get started down this line? Envy and strife. You'll find every kind of evil thing. And so, verse 8, David, excuse me, Saul was very wroth. He's not just a little upset. He, he's steaming over this. He's the king. And he said, they have ascribed to David tens of thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. What can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day forward. This was the day when major changes happened spiritually. Before that, David lived uh, there with Saul. He's like part of the family. And they would say after supper, David, get out your instrument and play for us. He would play and sing. The Spirit of God would fall. Everybody would get blessed. David is beloved in the Saul household. Until... They got out in the streets and they proclaimed that David had slain his tens of thousands, whereas Saul only thousands. Mm -hmm. And Saul began to yield to some wrong stuff. He heard it. He felt threatened by it. This is a result of his own insecurities. And he began to eye David from that day forward. Verse 10, And it came to pass on the morrow, the very next day, that an evil spirit came. Now it wasn't of God, but God allowed it. And he prophesied in the midst of the house, and David played with his hand, and there was a javelin in Saul's hand, and Saul cast the javelin at David in the house. He picked up his spear and threw it at him, not for fun. And he said, I will smite David to the wall. He threw it so hard, he was expecting it to go through him and pin him up against the wall, kill him. And David dodged it and avoided out of his presence twice this happened. And Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and had departed from Saul. Everything changed. On that song, Saul has slain his thousands, but David is tens of thousands. Saul yielded to some wrong stuff, and the very next day, a bad spirit attached itself to Saul. And he became murderous. Envy is a murderer. 
Envy is absolutely evil. Say it out loud. I detest envy. I detest and abhor jealousy and envy. It's evil. I refuse to give it any place in my life. Can you see he, he felt threatened by David. David's just a young man. David does not have an evil agenda against Saul. He's not plotting against him. He thought Saul liked him. He's enjoying being with them. He's enjoying leading campaigns. He's enjoying using his faith and winning. There's nothing evil in David's heart against Saul. But it didn't matter. Saul has decided David's got to go. He's a threat. I won't go through everything, but it's, it's worth taking your time and reading what happened. Because eventually, Jonathan uh, and David were the best of friends. And so he told Jonathan, can you find out if this is going to change or if he's going to keep trying to pin me to the wall with his spear? And, and so they had this thing set up and, and he went away for a while. And, and then Jonathan met with him and told him, yeah, he is dead set on killing you. They even set guards at David's house and, and where his wife was and, and tried to catch him. But he had to leave. He had to run for his life. And this went on for years of David being a fugitive from his own land. And they couldn't stay in any one place for very long because Saul went to super expense and effort. He sent envoys to every neighboring nation to the king and made them swear an oath that if they knew where David was, they would tell him or capture him. He spent all kind of money. He sent out patrols of thousands of his best soldiers to find him. This went on for years. And David can hardly sleep in the same place over a night or two. And he's running for his life and those that were with him. And on one occasion, David and those that were with him wound up at, a, at the priest's place. There's a city called Nob, and where the priests were, the priests of God. And the priests, uh, he said, man, we're, we're hungry. Have you got anything to eat? And, he, and they gave him the showbread. And, and he said, have you got any weapons here? And he said, well, just the stuff you got off Goliath is, is here. Basically, it was in the trophy case. And he said, well, let me have that. And, and Saul found out that they had fed them. And um, he called them to meet him, to cross-examine them. And he wiped out, Saul killed 85 priests in one day and then sent his crack troops to their city, the city of the priests, and killed everybody. Women, infants, every child wiped out the city. Evil. Somebody say evil. evil. And what's, what's all this coming from? Envy. Can you see this? What you said out loud, envy, envy. Is, evil. is evil. I detest it. I abhor it. I refuse to give any place in my life to envy. Well, David and his men are running from Saul and these people for month after month. 
and even year after year. Until on one occasion, I want you to go from go to the 24th chapter of 1 Samuel. And we'll just start here in the first verse. You in a big hurry tonight? Does anybody remember what we started out talking about on our text? Don't let evil defeat you. Right? But what do you do? You overcome evil with what? How do you do it? With good. You overcome evil with good. Now this, this is not something you just say, oh yeah, that's a, that's a great idea and, and I'll have to keep that in mind. You, you've got to be on guard against this. Because evil will try to work its way into you and into your life. And it'll be in you, somebody hurting you or upsetting you or making you mad or doing you wrong or whatever. And you will be sorely tempted to, to get into vengeance. And it doesn't help that most of us have fed on thousands of hours of vengeance movies. Just look straight ahead. <laughs> what is the plot of nine and a half out of ten action movies? Huh? Somebody did some evil thing against somebody, and then what? Rest of the movie is a quest on getting them back, taking them out, right? Most of the Westerns. In the 50s. <laughs> Same plot. Is that right? Same storyline. All of the martial arts movies pretty much. Right? All the kung fu movies. What? Some evil guy. Some evil bunch came and did some evil things. So now what? So the good guys get to do evil to them, but it's okay. Because they had evil done to them first. So now, and especially in modern times, oh man, the blood and the gore and the body count is off the chart. But it's okay because they're the good guy, sort of, because they had bad done to them first. No, that means they were overcome with evil when evil was done to them, and now they are the evil. They're the evil too. And how many can understand, as things go on, it gets harder and harder to tell the difference between the good guy and the bad guy. Because they're, they're doing the same stuff. But it just, it's if you have a really good reason to do the bad stuff. But that, that's not what you and I have been hearing these last three services from the Bible, from the Word of God. We don't let evil turn us evil. When evil is done to us, come on, come on, help me out. How do we overcome it? How, how? We, over, we, we don't let evil overcome us. We overcome evil with good. Say it out loud. I don't let evil overcome me. I don't allow evil to change me and make me evil. By God's help, by the greater one inside me, I 
overcome evil with good. They curse, I bless. They hurt, I help. They do evil, I do good. Amen. And according to the word, that will cause you to always and ultimately win. All evil is temporary. Every bit of it. I don't care what it is or how bad it is, how long it's been around. All, have you read the back of the book? All evil is temporary. But good is forever. Good is eternal. And so ultimately, good wins. May not look like it, but good overcomes evil. In 1 Samuel 24, verse 1. I know I'm telling you stories tonight, but is it okay? Huh? Just relax. I know you're not in your PJs, but but relax. You say, Brother Keith, read us a story. Okay. All right. Verse 1, it came to pass that Saul was returned from following the Philistines, that it was told him, Behold, David is in the wilderness in Engedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of Israel. These are 3,000 special forces. And goes after David again. Why, why is he trying to find him? To kill him. Why? What has David done? Nothing. Love God, lead the armies, win victories for Israel, play music and help Saul when he was feeling bad. That's it. So much well, that's not fair. Honey, hey, are you just now figuring out that the world is not fair? <laughs> well, it's not right. The world is full of not right. The world is full of not fair. The world is full of evil and cruel. You and I are the salt and the light. We're the different. Right? We're we're supposed to stand out as the different. We're supposed to be the fair, the good, the right. So uh, he came to the sheep cots by the way where there was a cave. Saul went in to cover his feet. That's King James for use the bathroom. And David and his men are in the cave that Saul decides to go into. Coincidence? No. Huh? Is everybody with me? Now why is Saul there? To kill David. With 3,000 special forces. And Saul wants a little privacy. And so he picks this cave. That David and his men just happen to be hiding in. Same cave. And the men of David... Uh, they told him, they said, this is God. This is God. Behold, the day which the Lord told you. I'll deliver your enemy into your hand and you can do what seems good to you. They said, this is it. This is it. We're going to get to stop running. Everything's going to be fine. And so David got up and very stealthily went to where Saul had laid his outer uh, cloak and he took his knife and cut off the, the end of it. Why? Showing him how close he got to him. He 
could have taken him out any time. And after he did that, David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt of his garment. He thought, I shouldn't have done that. That's disrespectful. Now, can you put yourself in David's shoes? You've been on the run. You hadn't had any mama's cooking for two and a half years. Huh? It gets uh, wearisome running, looking over your shoulder, not having enough to eat, not having a good place to sleep, not, not even getting a good night's sleep because everything you hear is that them. Are they here? And you, here's the opportunity to make it stop. We can get on with our lives. We can go home. And all the men are going, this is God. This is God. Are you kidding? Not all the caves here. He walks in here. This is God. Take him out. Take him out. And David said, no. I'm just going to let him know how close he came to dying today. But then when he did that, his heart bothered him. He thought, I shouldn't have done that. And I want you to listen to the language. He, verse 6, he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master. Who? A lot of folks wouldn't be calling him their master. Would they? The Lord's anointed. Uh-huh. Who would be calling him the Lord's anointed? He wiped out the priest's city. He killed all the priests, the 85 of them that were there in, in the city, and killed their wives and their babies. He slaughtered an entire city because he, he felt like they helped David somehow. They really committed no crime. You going to call him the Lord's anointed? You going to show him respect? See, if that seems ridiculous and bizarre to you, then you don't understand God's ways. And you're too susceptible to being affected by evil. Because see, if, 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 you're, if that bothers you and that, that aggravates you and angers you, you're already giving place to evil. Why? Because you want revenge. You want it to stop. You want to fix this. Now, you want to kill somebody. What does that make you? How are you any better than him? He's trying to kill you. Now you're full of vengeance. You want to kill him. How are you doing any better than he is? See, then in that case, you're not overcoming evil. Evil has overcome you and made you what you hated. Church, are y'all awake? Are y'all, huh? And you can claim it was a righteous kill because of what he did to you, but you just did to him first what he was trying to do to you. So how are you better than him? How, how, you're a killer. You're a murderer. Why is the, are these stories... Chapters and chapters and chapters of the Bible are given to this. Mm -hmm. Why? Because it's so important. Mm -hmm. Why? David's a man after God's own heart. 
there's a lot of ways in which he thinks like God and has understood some of God's ways. And here they are. Do you want to think like God? Do you want to be a man or woman after God's own heart? Then you've got to think like this. Why is he calling this basically almost demon-possessed man, this murderer, this slaughterer of babies, why is he calling him his master and the Lord's anointed? Why? Because God chose him. And God placed him at the head of the country. And God told the prophet to pour the anointing oil on him. Is he acting like the anointed? No. But is he the Lord's anointed? Yeah. Child of God, we, we must respect God's placement and God's choice even when we can't respect what the people in the place are doing. Amen. We must continue to respect the place and God's choice, or otherwise we'll end up disrespecting God Himself. Right. Is this revelation? Yeah. This revelation. So, he said, uh, David stayed his servants with these words and suffered them not to rise against Saul. He had to talk his men down. And they must have had some respect for him, or they'd just overridden him. They'd have said, get out of the way. We're tired of running. We're tired of this. We're tired of being wanted for no reason. He, he said, no. Weapons down. Weapons down. No. But, but, but. I said, no. They backed off. And Saul got up, got his cloak, clueless about where, where he was at, what was going on, and left the cave. And uh, went on his way. And so when they got a little distance away, David came to the mouth of the cave and he yelled. And he said, my Lord, the king. When Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed himself to his king, to his master, the anointed. Is he overcoming evil with good? Yes. Come on, can you see this? Yes. Is he showing respect? Mm -hmm. Huh? Is he showing submission? He's going, I'm not the king. He's the king. Right? When he could have killed him. He didn't repay evil for evil. He repaid evil with good. Come on, can you see this? And you and I are still talking about it all these centuries later. Tonight. Why? Because it's godly. Because in the end, did David win? I said in the end, did David win? Did good overcome evil? Absolutely. Totally. And that's why it's recorded for every generation to learn and see and make a decision. Are you going to live like this? Did he feel like showing this kind of respect? No. He's hungry. He's away from home. He's looking over his shoulder all the time. He hadn't done anything wrong. Hadn't broken any laws. Hadn't hurt the king. But he said, 
Wherefore hearest thou men's words, saying, David seeks your hurt? Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord has delivered you today in my hand in the cave, and some bade me to kill you. And all his men are going, that's right, you got that right. <laughs> now, why we didn't kill him today? But my eyes spared you, and I said, I will not put forth my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. The Lord chose him, and the anointing oil was poured on him. And David said, I'm, I'm going to respect that no matter what. See, he's not just respecting Saul, he's respecting God. Yeah. And he said, Moreover, my father, see the skirt of your robe in my hand, for in that I cut off the skirt of your robe and, and killed you not. Know that there's no evil or transgression in my hand. I've not sinned against you, and yet you hunt my soul to take it. He said, uh, Does this look familiar? <laughs> and Saul looked down and went, Oh, Lord. He was right on me. The Lord judge between me and you, and the Lord avenge me of you. Is that what we read in the New Testament? Yeah. Vengeance is mine, yes. says the Lord. I will repay. But my hand will not be on you. As says the proverb of the ancients, wickedness proceeds from the wicked. Another way of saying that, that's the same word for evil. Evil comes out of evil. If David had murdered him, instead of letting the Lord take care of it, it would have indicated that he had evil in him. Because evil comes out of evil. Is God evil? Absolutely not. So evil doesn't come out of him. Regardless of what scriptures you understand or don't understand, God is good. And evil does not come out of him. There's another being, the devil. He is evil. And evil comes out of him. But no matter what evil is done to us, we, might, we must not let it taint our soul and twist our minds until we become bitter, until we become vengeful, until we become, we're going to pay you back, we're going to get you back, then we have become the thing we hate. Yes. And you won't overcome it that way. No. You'll just become part of the problem. <laughs> Tell me, church. How do you overcome evil? Come on, help me out. How? How? There's only one way. Can you see why this, this word is the word of God in the New Testament that we're talking about? Don't let evil defeat you. Overcome evil with good. They curse. You bless. They hurt. You help. They disrespect. You pray for them. Right? And it's not based on how you feel. It's not based on what they've done. It's certainly not based on what they deserve. It's you doing what the Lord told you to do. And it's you representing him in the earth. And people just like looking at David and what he did and how he thought and how he talked. We're learning about God. And people can see you and hear you how you respond and what you do. And they instead of just trying to throw a bunch of scriptures at them. They learn about God by watching how you respond to people. And what you do and what you refuse to do. 
And people will be led to the Lord. Not just by your preaching, but by your living. Yes. By your living example. They'll, they'll say, God's real. Look at that. They'll say, I wouldn't have done that. I'd have done this. And they realize, I need a change. Something needs to happen in me. So I got the love of God in me like they do. I can, I can do these kind of things. Keep reading. Wickedness proceeds from the wicked. But my hand will not be on you. Hallelujah. All of it's good to read. Well, let me just read it. Who is the king of Israel come out after? Uh, who are you pursuing? A dead dog? A flea? What are you chasing me for? The Lord judge between me and you. Plead my cause and deliver me out of your hand. And when, when David quit speaking, uh, Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? See, there's some distance between them. And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He knew he was doing wrong. He's the king, he's the big man, but he cried right there in front of everybody because he knows how wrong he is. He said, David, you're more righteous than I am. You have rewarded me good, whereas I rewarded you evil. Is this a picture of overcoming evil with good? They do you evil, what do you do? You do them good. They try to kill you, you spare them. Did David actually protect the king from his own men? Can you see that? He saved his life. He didn't kill him and he also kept his men from killing him. You've, you've showed this day how you've dealt well with me for as much as when the Lord delivered me to your hand, you didn't kill me. If a man finds his enemy, will he let him go well away? Well, see, Saul wasn't going to let him go away when he found him. Wherefore, the Lord rewards you good for what you have done to me this day. So see, even Saul in his evil spirit influenced state knew David has sown some good to me today. He's going to reap that. He's going to reap that good that he sowed to me today. And now behold, listen to this, verse 20. I know that you will surely be king. This is astounding. And the kingdom of God will be established in your hand. Swear now uh, to me by the Lord that you won't cut off my seed after me or destroy my name out of my father's house. And David swore to him. And Saul went home and David and his men got him in the hold. And you would hope this would be the end of all this, but it wasn't. A little bit later on, Saul's chasing him again. Trying to kill him again. This actually happened another time. This very same thing. You got time to talk about it? Yes. Go to the, uh, the 26th chapter. Just a little bit further over. 26. Uh, verse 1. The Ziphites came to Saul and said David's hiding himself and gave him the location because see the, the king had threatened every nation around him if they didn't tell him where, if they saw him. So you talk about spies everywhere. Everywhere you go. Their king and their leader is forcing the people to tell them if they see David. And Saul arose and went to the wilderness of Ziph. Uh, 3,000 chosen men. He's got the special forces with him again. 
And David abode in the wilderness and found out that Saul had come. Verse 5, David arose and came to the place where Saul uh, had pitched. And David beheld the place where Saul lay, and Abner the son of Ner, the captain of his host, and Saul lay in the trench, and the people pitched round about him. So now it's, it's nighttime, I guess, and they're resting, I suppose, and, and um, time to go to sleep. And Saul and his men saw where they are and where they camped, and they don't know David and his men are there. Again. And so David uh, said to Ahimelech and to uh, Abishai, uh, who will go with me down to Saul to the camp? These guys are brave. They're courageous. He said, who wants to go with me down to the camp? Really? And uh, uh, Abishai said, I'll go. Let's go. So David and Abishai came to the people by night, and Saul lay sleeping in the trench with his spear stuck in the ground at his bolster. Abner and the people lay round about him, see, to protect him, because if anybody came up, they'll have to come through them to get to him. And Abishai said to David, of course, in a whisper, God's delivered your enemy into your hand. Now, let me smite him. Uh, I, here, the spear's right here. I won't even have to do it twice. One time, I'll take him out. <laughs> J just one time. You don't have to do anything. You, you didn't do it. You just go over there and, and be still for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and David said to Abishai, uh, don't do it. Destroy him not. Who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David said, furthermore, as the Lord lives, the Lord will smite him. His day will come uh, to die. He'll, he'll descend into battle or perish. Something will happen to him. But the Lord forbid that I should stretch forth my hand against the Lord's anointed. He said, yeah, he's, he's on a, a short path to destruction, but it won't be because of me. Is everybody listening? Why? I don't care how much evil he, evil he does to me. I'm not going to repay evil with evil. The Lord will take care of it. Amen. Is that faith? Yes. He's on the run. Mm -hmm. But is that faith? Yes. He said no. And again, he saved his life again. He said no, don't you do it. Uh, he'll die in battle. Something will happen. But it won't be by me. Nobody will be able to say, David killed the king. David took him out. He's God's choice. God put him there. God can take him out. And he doesn't need my help to do it. Is this right thinking? Yes. Is this overcoming evil with good? Yes. And, and uh, he said, uh, the Lord forbid, verse 11, that I should stretch my hand against the Lord's anointed. But I pray thee, take that spear and the bolster and his water uh, jug and let's go. So David got the spear, he got his water bottle, and they got away. And no man saw it or knew it. Nobody woke up, for they were all asleep, because a deep sleep from the Lord had fallen upon them. Else was, how could they have gotten that far in? And nobody noticed? 
Then David went over to the other side and stood on the top of the hill afar off, a great space being between them. Does it, have you heard this before? And David cries to the people, this is in the middle of the night, to Abner. Now Abner was the basically the commanding officer in this group. And he said, uh, Abner, aren't you going to answer? Abner says, who are you crying and bothering the king tonight? David said to Abner, aren't you a valiant man? Who's like you in Israel? And why didn't you keep the, your lord the king? Uh, somebody came in tonight to kill the king. This thing's not good. Not good what you've done. As the Lord lives, you're worthy to die. You have not kept your master the Lord's anointed. Look at here whose spear this is. Can you see this? <laughs> and this water bottle. You know, it's got an initial S on it. You know whose that is? <laughs> Nobody said you couldn't have a little fun while you were doing good instead of evil. Is that right? I mean, you're not pretending you don't know what's going on. <laughs> And Saul knew David's voice. He said, is that your voice, my son? Again, it's a distance and it's nighttime. And David said, it's me, O Lord, o my Lord, O King. Do you hear respect? Respect. Is he respecting everything Saul is doing? Absolutely not. But he's respecting the office. He's respecting God's choice. He's respecting the fact that the anointing of, of God was on the man to lead the country. God's choice. Even though he's basically a, a demon-possessed man at this point of his life. And he said, why does my Lord pursue after his servant? What have I done? What evil is in my hand? Now therefore I pray you let my Lord the King hear the words of his servant. If the Lord has stirred you up against me, let him accept an offering and I'll make it right. But if the children of men, cursed be they before the Lord, they've driven me out this day from abiding in the inheritance of the Lord and they said go serve other gods. They've been completely alienated from family, friends, home, everything they love and care about. Now therefore let not my blood fall to the earth before the face of the Lord. The king of Israel has come out to seek a flea, a flea as somebody hunting a partridge in the mountains. In other words, what is the king doing out here running around with soldiers looking for somebody like me that hadn't done anything wrong? What is going on? It's not even reasonable. It's not logical. What are you doing? And Saul said, I've sinned. Return, my son David, I will no more do you harm. And all the David's guys said, yeah, right. <laughs> uh -uh. <laughs> because my soul was precious in your eyes this day, I have played the fool and erred exceedingly. A lot of folks have heard that phrase, know that scripture, but do you know what it's talking about? When you let evil overcome you in the form of envy. 
And he, he acted not like a king, not with honor, not with nobility, not with justice and righteousness and faith and godliness. He's acting like a fool out here, chasing somebody that has helped him win battles and, and supported him and been family to him. <coughs> Man, if you listen to the enemy, he will absolutely confuse you. Remember that phrase said, where there is envying and strife, there's confusion and every evil work. David answered and said, here's the king's spear. Let one of your young men come get it. They're not even going to keep it for a trophy. And uh, Saul said to David, you know, blessed be thou son of David, uh, my son David, you'll do great things and prevail. And it wasn't the end. He still had to run for a little bit longer. But then there was this great battle between Saul and the Philistines, and he and his sons were killed in battle on the same day, like it was prophesied. And then Israel sought to David to become king, and eventually he was. But he didn't have that on his conscience that he had killed Saul. Can you see that? And evil didn't change him and get in him and make him what he hated and what had messed up his life. Can you see a beautiful graphic picture here of somebody understanding something about how God thinks and His ways and absolutely overcoming evil with good? Huh? Can you see it? Will you let that get in you? Huh? Is the spirit of that in these words tonight? Is it here in this room? Is it on you and around you? Will you receive it? Will you receive it? Just lift up your hands and say, I receive the ways of God, the honor of God. Teach me more about these things, Lord. I choose good over evil. I choose to overcome evil with good. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. 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 Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Go with me, I, I think, in closing, we'll see, to uh, Hebrews, the fifth chapter. Hebrews, the fifth chapter. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Hebrews 5 and 11. 5, 11. The Spirit of God through the writer here says that he had a lot of things to say to them further. But it was hard, verse, verse 11, hard to be uttered seeing they were dull of hearing. Hebrews 5, 11. Verse 12, he said, For when, for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, you've become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe or a baby. But strong meat belongs to them who are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to do what? Yes. To discern 
both good and evil. This is a big part of growing up and developing. Growing up spiritually involves growing up and developing in love. Because God is love. And growing up in God can't be separated from growing up in love. But growing up in love involves discernment. D distinguishing. Um, Philippians 1. You don't have to turn there, but let me read this to you. Philippians 1, 9. He said, I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Is there a development of judging and knowledge connected to developing in love? Am I moving too fast? Are you with me? Philippians 1. Go ahead and turn there. Philippians 1. Now hold your place in Hebrews if you can. Philippians 1.9. This is a prayer. I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge. And in all judgment, verse 10, that you may approve the things that are excellent. Now that's King James. This has to do with discernment. And being able to differentiate between things. And that's directly connected to developing in love. Developing in love is developing in God. Growing up in love, growing up in God means you're developing in knowledge and judgment, able to distinguish between right and wrong and good and evil. And that enables you to walk stronger and stronger in love and in faith because your faith works by your love. Can you see that in the scripture or not? That you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Go back to Hebrews now. He said, I'm going to read this to you from a, a different translation. Um, this is the, uh, the W.E.B. translation. Solid food is for those who are full grown, who by reason of use, that word means habit or practice, have their senses exercised. Now the word senses does not mean physical senses. It's the word for perception. Your perception is exercised. So that you're able to discern or separate or distinguish good and evil. Two of the most important things we can ever learn in this life is what's God and what's not God. What to resist and what to yield to. Because you got people all over the planet resisting things that are God that they should be receiving. 
And you got people all over the planet that are receiving things like they're from God that are not from God. They ought to be resisting it. And so in that, they're not distinguishing between what's good, God, and what's evil, the enemy. How many understand you should never yield to disease? Right? No matter how you feel, how long it's been that way, you know it's not from God, so I don't have to accept it, so you fight it. You fight it with everything you know. You should never yield to poverty. And you should never yield to fear and hopelessness. Right? You should never yield to depression and confusion. No matter how you feel, no matter how many battles you lost or what kind of experience you had, you know it's not from God. Don't accept it ever. Resist it. And having done all to stand, stand against it. Resist it. But you don't fight tongues. You don't fight the gifts of the Spirit. You don't fight authority in the name of Jesus. You shouldn't fight healing. You shouldn't fight abundance. That's God. It's good. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. He went about, you know, with the Holy Ghost in power. He went about doing good. Somebody say doing good. Doing good. Doing good. And healing. All who were oppressed of the devil. So the sickness was satanic oppression. It's bad. The healing was uh, God's power. That's good. Right? It's not confusing. A three-year-old could get it. God is good. He does good things. The devil's bad. He does bad things. That doesn't mean we don't need to grow and develop because the enemy is always trying to trick you. Right? He's always trying to trick you and confuse you and get you, you know, upset, mad, bitter, whatever, and get you to yield to something wrong and justify it for whatever reason. But as you grow up and develop in love, you're not like the baby that you used to be. You don't think in such vague, generalistic terms. You're able to distinguish this thing happened, this much of it's good, this much of it's bad. Babies don't distinguish that. Babies will put anything in their mouth. <laughs> right? And chew it up and swallow it. I mean, babies, right? Why? They have not learned through practice and development of knowledge and judgment to discern between good and bad. And the further you go, you realize everything is not just easily identified. The enemy mixes stuff together. Right? I mean, he'll take some poisonous thing and try to insert it into something that's good to get you to swallow the whole thing. Did the enemy quote scriptures to Jesus in the, in the wilderness temptation? Was the scripture right? Yes. Was what the enemy trying to get him to do with it right? No. But Jesus had the discernment to distinguish between the scripture is good and right, but what you're saying to do with it is wrong. Do you want to grow up and become more and more like your master? And just, let me read this to you from another translation. The, uh, the NET says solid food is for the mature. 
whose perceptions are trained by practice to discern both good and evil. My perception and my awareness is developing and I'm able to see the enemy coming afar off and I'm not ignorant of his devices. Can you say amen? amen? The complete Jewish Bible says anyone who has to drink milk is still a baby without experiencing in applying the word about righteousness or the word about what's right. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose faculties have been trained by continuous exercise to distinguish good from evil. That seeds of this have been planted in you this weekend. Hallelujah. And you and I are growing and developing and we're going to be harder and harder for the enemy to trick. That's right. Hmm? And we, instead of just acting and reacting to feelings and emotions and things that people would do against us or to hurt us, we will be aware, our, our perceptions having developed, aware of the bigger picture, aware of how to overcome the problem. And it's not by becoming part of the problem. It's not by jumping into the fight and yelling and screaming and cussing and doing what unsaved people do. We're not going to do that. We're going to overcome evil with good. Hallelujah. Praise God. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, praise the Lord. Stand on your feet and lift up your hands. Let's, let's take a few moments and begin to thank the Lord tonight. And praise the Lord tonight. And give Him glory and give Him thanks. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we worship you. We worship you. Come on, don't be in too big of a hurry. Just Nobody can praise God for you. Lift up your voice. Everything and everybody that has breath, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. If you're breathing, you should be praising. Come on, right out loud. Lord, I praise you. I glorify you. I adore you. I love your ways. Your ways are right. Your ways are truth. Your ways are justice. Your ways are goodness. Your ways are mercy. I love your ways. I pursue good. I follow after that, which is good. Epakos. Enamanati. Oh, come on, lift your voice. Mayas. No more pialos. Nayan. Ekawe ekikishia no ma. Avon. Emike labok noalo. Ifa hampa koe pinge elo nanta bainge ege anka achoyete. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Keep your eyes closed and just listen to me just a moment. Sometimes the Lord shows me things in situations like this. When you get really upset, when you get really angry and mad, you can yield to spirits uh, that, that'll try to attach themselves to you and then they'll hang on to you. Now, they're not in you. 
you. You're not possessed. But when you got so mad and so hurt and so depressed, you gave place to it and it attached itself to you. And you need to, to mean business and let it know you don't want it. You need to reject it and refuse it. And you're in purpose that you're not going to let yourself get furious like that again. You're not going to let yourself get depressed and bitter like that again. So say it out loud, everybody, so nobody's embarrassed. Say it out loud, every foul spirit, every unclean spirit, I don't want you. I resist you. I command you. Leave me. In Jesus, name. In Jesus name. Go from me. Go from me. Go from me. As spirits of anger and depression and rage and vengeance and bitterness and all that, go from me. In Jesus' name. You have the authority and they cannot stay when you mean business. In Jesus' name. Go ahead, pray some more in the spirit. Echo Leama. Echo Elai Manyande Belaxifa de Mia Yeke. Indi Balaxonde Bayenaka. Epa. 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 Uh huh. Yekumande. Elaxunde. Ekaweon Dange. Ishe. Mande. Listen to this also, if you would. There's some situations where you responded in like kind. They yelled and screamed at you and you yelled back and screamed at them. Well, you're not responsible for what they do between them and the Lord, but you are responsible for you. And even though they may never apologize or repent about it, there are cases where you need to tell them and contact them. Even if they don't want to hear it, even if they don't appreciate it, you need to say, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have raised my voice like that. I shouldn't have used those words. I shouldn't have responded like that. You need to do this, the Spirit of God will prompt you and show you how. And if you do, it will it will change things. It will close some doors to what the enemy's been doing and it'll open doors to what the Spirit of God wants to do. Open your eyes for just a minute. Let me tell you this. This is kind of a funny thing. Um, I, I, we travel uh, some still uh, all through the year and we're, we're here you know, this weekend. And um, this a few years ago, Mike, uh, Mike, raise your hand. Uh, you, Mike and I fly together. We're pilots and we travel. He helps me in a lot of these things. And uh, we went to a place that we had never been before. I didn't know the pastors. I didn't know the people. And when we got out of the car, Mike heard me say something he'd never heard me say before. I said, I don't really know why we're here. And we had, I don't know, it was a couple of services or something in the church. And I know Mike was shocked. He'd never heard me say that before. I don't know. I don't really know why we're here. But I agreed to come. And so we were there. And the pastors were nice. And the church was nice. And the services went good. And everything was fine. But I still had that same kind of thing in me. I didn't really know. You know, we got a number of things going on. I, I, I can't accept every invitation. You can't be in every place all the time. We got churches and we got ministry and other things. And so uh, at the end of the service, before we were leaving, the pastor said to me, you know, Brother Keith, I think there's something I ought to tell you. I said, okay. He said, uh, a few years ago, I had a falling out 
with a pastor here in town. And uh, things were said and things were done that shouldn't have been. And then we hadn't talked to each other for years. And one day I was in prayer in my study and the Lord said to me, uh, I would like for you to go to him and apologize and repent. And he was like, initially, I don't know that I want to do that because, you know, it was mostly his fault and, 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 and all this and that. And, and he said, finally, the Lord said, well, would you do it for me? And he said, yes, Lord. I'll do it for you. If, if he'll talk to me, I don't know if he will. So he, he, he called and, and, and was able to get the guy on the phone eventually and said, uh, could I have a few minutes of your time? I'd, I'd like to apologize. And the guy said, well, okay. And so he came over to his church and place and came into his study and, and he said, I, I need to uh, apologize for how I reacted, what I said, what I did. And the other guy said, no, it's me that needs to apologize. And I mean, in the next few minutes, they were hugging each other, crying. And just got it fixed. And we're in, back in good fellowship. And uh, as he was leaving the pastor's office, walking across the parking lot, he said, the Lord said to him, said, thank you, son, for doing that for me. He said, Lord, you're welcome. I'm so glad I did. I mean, I, I feel so much better. He said, the Lord said, is there anything I can do for you? <laughs> you know, just backing up here just a little bit, Solomon, who was the most wise, the wisest man who had ever lived, uh, his, the Lord said basically that to them, what do you want me to do for you? I mean, open-ended. He could have said anything. And you know what he said? I want, Lord, that you would give me discernment to know the difference between good and evil. And to be, come on, are you hearing this? Yes. To be able to judge your people because you, you got to know what to go with and what to know, not go with. What's God and what's not God? What, what's right and what's not right? And, and, and the thing pleased the Lord so much. He said, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you more wisdom than any man before you or after you. And I'm going to give you what you didn't ask for. I'm going to make you rich. And I'm, if, you, if you walk before me, I'll give you length of days. Yes. Can you see this? Yes. But he, it pleased the Lord so much so that he, he, he said this. Well, this man said he's walking across the parking lot. And he said, the Lord said, thank you for doing that. And he said, Lord, you, yes, thank you. And he said, the Lord said, is there anything I, I can do for you? He said, he stopped right there in the parking lot. And he said, Lord, I'd like Brother Keith to come to my church. <laughs> And I said, yes, okay. And I came. I, I laughed. I said, you went over my head. You, you went over my head. <laughs> and that's why I said to Mike, I don't really know why we're here. Because it was an unusual thing. It was just like I knew, go. And I was like, yes, sir, okay. <laughs> but did you hear how this started? Will you go? Yeah. And apologize. Will you go and repent? Can you see what happened? It closed the door to strife. And it took away what the enemy was able to do. And then it opened another door 
some ministry he wanted that I don't know that it would have ever happened. Come on, are you with me? But the Lord uh, did both of those things when he acted on his request and repented. That's hard on your flesh. It's hard on your pride. But oh, the miracles that can happen if you're willing to do it. I want you to close your eyes again. Hallelujah. I said there, there are numbers of cases of where the Lord will prompt you to contact them. I, you may not have talked to them in years, uh, or, and it might have ended on such a bad, bad note. But uh, uh, whatever the Lord deals with you to do, do it. That's the key to miracles. And you'll find out that He'll get involved, and He'll say, Now, uh, what can I do for you? What? What would you like? Say it out loud, Lord. Lord. I want to please you. You've done everything for me. And by faith, I say I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. And so anything along this line, show me, make it clear to me, enable me to do it, grace me to do it, go before me and prepare their hearts and minds to receive me and hear what you'd have me to say. I love you, Lord. I love your ways. And I am yours to command. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands and praise him a little bit more. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father. Bless you, Father. I glorify your holy name. I praise your wonderful name. I rejoice in your righteous and perfect ways. I rejoice in your goodness and your graciousness and your kindness. I rejoice. I rejoice and I glory in your goodness. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, just a little bit more. Lift your hands. Lift your voices. Lord, I praise you. Lord, I worship you. Lord, I, I praise you and glory in your goodness. I glory in your goodness. I glory in your goodness. I praise you, my good Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab. 